Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? Daniel will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we're here with Brian McNulty. Brian was the former co-host of Bright Lounge, a design tech and business video podcast. He traveled the world to record captivating interviews with creatives airing online and on smart TVs throughout Europe. Now, he's the founder and product director at Heights Platform, which is an AI-powered online course and community creation software that empowers thousands of creators in more than 100 countries to build knowledge businesses. I'm very excited for this chat, so let's get right into it. Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I ask every single one of my guests to tell us a bit more about their story. So what made you become an entrepreneur? Sure. Great question. So um, right now I'm the founder of Heights Platform. Uh, we started that, um, I guess we started working that, on that back in 2015 a bit, about on the side. It launched at the end of 2018 and we're online course creation and community creation software really all-in-one solution for the creator to build an online learning business. Um, so that's not how we started though. The way that I started was actually as a freelance uh, graphic designer, a web designer. Mm -hmm. And actually out of high school, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm at this crossroads of, am I gonna go to college? Am I going to kind of keep doing the freelance thing that I was doing? and start a business and and how's that going to work for me and i made the decision to not go to college to instead start my own business and really that's kind of what i've been doing since then it originally started as this kind of multimedia design development studio we were doing uh, a lot of print work at the time still and then also web design that web design turned into uh, more like web application development as things advanced. And then eventually we came to a point that I thought to myself, you know, I enjoy all the things that I'm doing creatively, but working with clients is always tough because they have their own visions. They have their own ways that they want to do things. Mm -hmm. And anyone listening to this, who's, who's been a, a designer, a developer, uh, even in marketing, like you come up with a plan for your client and then they find some way to mess it up or change it sometimes. So we wanted to find how can we spend more of our time working on our own ideas and our own products. And so I made it a goal to say, let's find a way to take 50% of our time and spend that to invest into building our own products. Mm -hmm. And we tried a few things. I tried um, everything from like e-commerce stores, um, to web applications, mobile apps, um, selling digital products. 
and eventually the, all of that turned into building Heights platform and, and led up to that, which is really the, the accumulation of all of that, because it is a web application, something that we've been experienced in building for so long. It involves the kind of platform business model, which is something that I've done in other businesses I've worked on in the past. And it's all about helping other creators who want to sell their knowledge, sell their own digital products online, which is something that um, I wanted a better way to do that. And so now full-time, uh, essentially all of our work is on Heights platform. So that's kind of the, the quick overview. That is fantastic. So much to unpack here. I always get these very like rich answers and 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 I need to keep tab of all, all the follow-up questions. So the first thing that mm -hmm. really stood out to me is that a lot of people uh, go the safe route, so to speak, and they just listen to possibly their parents or their family members and say, you got to go to college after, after, after uh, high school. Uh, you didn't do that. And it's very, very interesting to me because at that young age, now I don't know when you graduated, but I'm assuming before 20, uh, years old. Um, a lot of people, they, they they want to go to college because of partying. They want to go because they, they feel like, you know, it's romanticized in a way. And sometimes it's not even that romanticized. Actually, my experience in college was pretty much exactly that. I was organizing events, mm -hmm. having a lot of fun, DJing for many years. Uh, you just went straight into, you know, actually owning a business, which is a huge, huge step forward at, at such a young age. Can you tell me, uh, how committed were you to actually like making things happen at that young age and uh, what it took, you know, for you to actually start getting several clients and scaling up from there? Sure. Yeah. So um, definitely I want to get into that. So it's funny because I, I didn't go to college and I ended up building an education company. Right. But <laughs> um, I was never really somebody who was into um like the partying and all that so much. Um, and like, again, like I didn't, it's not that I didn't go to college because I didn't like learning. I love learning. I just kind of found myself at this point where I guess I was thinking about things more seriously than most of my peers at that age, at, at 18, mm -hmm. where like I, I came to this point, I said, okay, if I'm going to go to the college or if I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, like if I went to college, what would I actually want to learn? And at the time for me, it would have been related to like design or development or music. I really like music as well. I was in the band in high school and all that. Um, and I figured, okay, so the the music thing, I, I can learn some more of that myself. The, uh, the design, the development stuff, I'm already, I've been doing that. I, I had my first clients when I was 13, actually. Um, which is kind of referred from uh, my dad had people he he knew needed help with graphic design. Mm -hmm. And I I figured that, you know what, if I went to college, I'm not sure like would spending the money on that because I knew I was going to have to spend uh, some of the money on that, um, even if I'm getting a loan, right? Yeah. Then like, would it really be worth it for me to spend money on that if I already kind of know the design, if I already have clients from that, and on the music side, I didn't really see exactly if I would make money from that for sure, or if that would really be what I would do. And if I was going to experiment with it anyway, like the first couple of years of college, it wasn't really going to get into that. It was going to be all the academic stuff and everything. And so I think I was at this point at this young age where I had to make a decision that most other people maybe just don't consider at the time because they think like, I'll just go to college and I'll figure it out there. And for me, like that was just really, really uncomfortable to 
to have to make that choice. I wanted to know a little bit better beforehand. And so that's kind of what led to making the choice. And I figured I can always go ahead and and kind of change my mind or, or try to go to school for something later if I really want to. But I, I guess I was pretty confident in myself and in, in my ability to, to be able to figure something out. And also it wasn't, maybe I sound kind of serious, but I, I guess I am a serious person in a way, but I wasn't, <laughs> uh, it wasn't like, oh, oh, I'm not gonna have fun at this time. I'm just gonna work really hard. Um, so I actually ended up before I turned 21, uh, starting to travel the world, I decided and said, um, like I started reading the four hour work week and before even finishing it, I, something clicked in my head. I was like, my clients are not actually where I am. So why, why can't I do that too? And so by the, uh, yeah, right before I was 21, I decided, okay, I'm going to go travel, buy a one way ticket and we'll see. I don't know when I'm going to come back. Um, that, that one time ended up being 13 months out of the U S. Um, and since then I've been to over 30 countries and over a hundred cities. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of the background of the thoughts with that. That's fantastic. And, and, you know, um, you said something that was very important. I, I do want to switch gears in a second because the point of our mm -hmm. conversation is going to be team building and everything else. But this is a very, very yep. interesting topic. And I think it's going to add a lot of value to new entrepreneurs that are that are going through this process. And I think it's all about seasons uh, in life. I mean, mm. when you think, you know, you're going to be overworking or like working around the clock, these are going to be the times where you're literally investing not only money, but also your own time into building these things. And then, like you said, then you traveled and I'm sure that like the time that you were traveling, it was a bit different than when you were really like building everything up. Is that correct? Yeah, in a way, like it wasn't all a vacation to be traveling. I yeah. think that's also like a misconception of kind of like remote work. Um, like you can you can work wherever you are. And in a way, I, I like the constraints of knowing that, OK, like a month from now, I'm going to be going to another country. So whatever projects or something I have that I'm working on, I have to get it done by this time because then I'm going to have some some amount of lower productivity from being in that new place for the first time. Absolutely. And so I want to switch gears for a second right now and talk about uh, remote work, team building. You said you had a remote team since, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you said 2009? Yep. Yeah, 2009. That's uh, that's uh, a lot, like a lot more than many other many of our listeners for sure. And so I uh, I wanted to ask you first off, what prompted you to to create a team, uh, a remote team back then when you know uh, communication tools and and uh, collaboration tools were not as as prominent and as effective as they are right now. And and second of all, yeah, how did you do that basically? <laughs> Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, definitely there was less information on it. I mean, I think like pieces like the the four hour work week were a uh, a great starting point for people, even though it wasn't like uh, there wasn't really the thing of like being a, a digital nomad or, or something back then. And I think the piece that made it seem possible for me was not only reading that book, but also realizing that my clients weren't where I was. And so like, I didn't have any clients that were actually from my own hometown at the time. And uh, I grew up in like a, a small suburb of uh, Philadelphia, where like, even the idea of like a web design company like that, that was really like techie. And um, 
yeah, I didn't ha didn't have any clients near me. So I figured, okay, well, what's the difference if I'm in a different place? And before I started the traveling, um, I had a couple people working with me as well. But it was more like a freelance basis at that point. There, there weren't like really like full-time team members. Mm -hmm. And I found them through like a variety of sources, like uh, I guess like what was Elance back then, um, uh, it eventually turned into like Upwork and all that. Um, like that, that was a great source. I think, um, one was like a friend at the time who was also doing design and yeah, that's, that's how it started. And then kind of realizing like the, the collaboration tools you write were not the same. Like we had Skype. That was a the big one. That was like, the, there was no Slack. So Skype was the thing then. And I remember when I traveled the first time I figured like, oh, I gotta, I gotta pay for this like $200, like international data plan. That's only going to give me 200 megabytes. Um, so I got to be efficient with it. But um, then, yeah, communicating with my team over Skype was really, really how that went. All right. It makes sense. And when it comes to finding talent, because, yeah, like one thing is using Skype. I remember actually uh, using Skype even back, at, I believe, in 2006. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but when mm -hmm. it comes to finding people, for example, from the from I think in the four hour work week, uh, he Tim Ferriss was mentioning your men in India is one of the platforms for, to find virtual assistants or, or staff members to do day to day work. I think there is a few more, but gosh, I haven't read that book in very long time, too. Uh, but hmm. were you looking more for contractors back then or full time, part time staff members and located in the US? Um, yeah, back back then it it was kind of more contractors and like as as we needed depending on like the design or development project like um, if we needed more developers or designers um, it was a little bit more like that but still I had this idea early on of like wanting to have more of like a core team and like build up to that and uh, I think near the end of 2010 we had our first kind of like team meetup of the people I was working with at the time. Nice. And so that was a, an awesome experience to do that. But yeah, I want to kind of fast forward because I feel like since then, mm -hmm. my experience in, in hiring people and, and my approach to it changed really dramatically. And what I would say is I think most entrepreneurs, when they first want to hire somebody, especially when it comes to remote, I think that people are going about it the wrong way and how they approach it because they think like, okay, I want to hire somebody. I want to be able to save my time and then not have to do that thing that I want to hire somebody for. And I mm -hmm. think that people have to, in general, should be more patient in number one, like the hiring process and like finding the person who's really good. And number two, um, realizing like the training that's going to go into helping that that new team member, that new employee, that new contractor get up to speed and, and get to where you want them to be. Yeah. And so for me, the way that that looked is like when we post a, a job board listing, like on like one of the remote job sites, um, the last time that um, we we hired a lot of people at once was um, back in, I guess the start of 2021. And I remember we had over 2000 applications to go through. And so uh, it was mainly my wife and I at the time going through those. And like, I spent a lot of time going through all of those and like organizing them, like who who's maybe going to be an interview, who's not, who like has potential, but we need more information and sorting through all of those different candidates, because I think, I think others 
might tend to think like, oh, I'm just going to find like the first good person I find or first couple good people. I'll just interview them and then that's it. But I really approached it as like wanting to find the best people from like the, that big pool of applicants that I got mm-hmm. and find people that were not only who I thought would be good fit for like the role of the business, but also like that I would want to work with. And so I think like that's an important part for me. Like I'm purposely trying to grow my team pretty small and deliberately at this point. And like right now we're, we're just under 10 people, but I, I want to keep it that way and keep it growing slow because like I want to enjoy my work first and foremost, right? Yeah. And so I think it's a better approach to look at it as instead of I'm going to hire all these people and then like they're going to do my work, I'm going to just own the business as like I enjoy working on my business. I want to hire these people that I would also enjoy working with and then work on it with them. And so I think that's a a big shift and investing the time into them because like it really took like definitely over a year before like those people really got up to speed. And like, I think you have to consider that that like, you're not going to have like this immediate return on investment when you hire somebody. Yeah. But like, you don't have to be best friends with the person you hire. I'm not saying that, but, um, and like, you may have differences as work doesn't have to be everything for, for either for you or for the people that you hire. But it's important to have some kind of connections and and be able to feel that you care about them, because I think that makes the whole experience a lot better for everybody involved. Absolutely. I heard this uh, quote, a variation, I guess, of this quote several times, which is uh, hire slow and fire fast. I like the hire slow uh, part. The fire fast Mm. is something that I, I can question. And I think that you're bringing this up in the same way that I see it, which is you know, if you think with this mentality, you're going to fire someone for just not being able to do everything right the first time, or at least, you know, like within the first couple of weeks, maybe you're missing out on the point of the long-term investment that you're putting into these people. I think that uh, at least from my perspective of building my team uh, over the past like 10 years is the fact that, uh, yeah, like some people need training, uh, mo- like everybody needs training, but most importantly, uh, some people have, you know, some people learn faster, but maybe they don't have the same level of attention to detail than others. And then some people ask more questions, take more time to assimilate the information, but they do so because they want to make sure that they're not making any mistakes and that, uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're playing the long game as well. Now that does mean, doesn't mean that if someone is completely like, you know, like failing at everything, uh, they, they, you're not going to let them go but uh but again like you said building that uh you know building up to that point where you say you know like i've trained this individual for many months and now they're they're you know giving me that return what do you think about that yeah i think that's a really interesting point that i i i agree with the the fire fast uh still um but i would say that i think the way you're saying it i think a lot of people like you're not misinterpreting it, but I think a lot of people do misinterpret it and think that like, oh, I'm supposed to just fire them um, if it if it's not going well right away. But you're right. Like it can be, you have to realize like who, who you're hiring. Mm-hmm. So are you hiring somebody like at a level where they're going to need a little bit more training to get to, to wherever? Um, but also realize that like you're hiring for certain like personality traits and work ethic and things like that, that are things where you you know that there's the potential for them to get to the level where you want them to be um, in making an impact towards your business. 
And I think that if you um, like, there, there's a point like where we're firing too early. It could also be things where like you made the mistake in hiring, you know, yeah. um, if, if you realize that, or it could be that, um, yeah, something like their, their traits and everything are not aligning, but the, I guess like the, the, the reasons that you don't want to have to fire somebody is this because it's your mistake in your process yeah. or because um, you're being impatient and like you, you hired the person for this, but you, you weren't like consciously thinking well enough of like, this is the the person that I hired. And this is the reason that I hired a person at this level. Absolutely. I think that really boils down again, like you said, with the hiring part, the hiring slow is, and, and it's not only about hiring slow, but deliberately um, what I have noticed again, running my own business, but also interviewing at this point, I believe over 200 uh, CEOs of remote businesses and founders is that uh, most people, I would say 90% of people talk about the importance of hiring for when you're hiring for a remote role to make sure that the individual is a self-starter and someone that it's not just good at what they're doing, you know, for the task, but also that they're good fit for remote work. I find that uh, especially after, you know, the lockdowns and everything else, and people started working from home or working remotely, um, it, th th these are sought after positions, right? Like everybody wants to work from home. Everybody wants to, you know, save money on commutes or save time on commutes. And so you find that like a lot of people are trying to get these remote positions, not for the good, not for the real good reasons, uh, but just because they are quote unquote easier right, to have, right? It's easier to have a job where you're sitting in uh, at home instead of traveling to an office. And so from, from the hiring perspective, I feel like finding out really why do you want this remote job? Are you going to be able to, to work uh, for an interrupted amount of time by yourself without having someone, you know, come behind you and see like, what are you doing? Right. Do you find that that's also yeah. one of the criteria that you, that you look for when you're hiring for remote positions? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Because like it's certain things like that, that are less of skills that have to be learned inside your company and more of just the way that the the kind of person has to be working. And so actually I realized um, that an important indicator for me with some of my hires was that the, and I didn't realize this going into it, but I realized it afterwards that um, the people had traveled somewhere else um, to another country and were living in another country on their own. Um, mm -hmm. And they'd worked for other remote companies before. And that showed two things. I think the the traveling part is really interesting because it shows that in a way that they're a self-starter and mm -hmm. they were able to go out and do that um, because it's a huge thing to say like, okay, I'm going to go to this other country and live there. Yep. And so I think that as an indicator was a really good point of showing that like this person can be independent and work on their own without having to be the kind of person that really needs to be like in an office or have like a manager over them uh right there yep absolutely and uh and so finding these right people like i mean of course you'd never know if it's going to be 100 percent correct but uh approximately you know generally speaking it, it's 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 a good thing and once you have all these people working for you, my follow-up question would be, how do you make sure to have a corporate culture, a business culture that keeps everyone united, even though they may be hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from each other? 
Yeah, that, that's a great point too. And I think like what I wanted to touch on actually from what you said before, um, just before I get into this is that yeah, investing sure. all the time into the hiring and realizing that it's going to take time for the person to grow is another reason that like you want to hire the right people and you want to think about this in the long term because you you want the people to stay on with you for hopefully years because otherwise it's a it's a bad investment for your business of the all the, the time you're investing, having to go over again and hire new people and replace them. And so you want everybody to, to be able to stay with you. So as far as the culture, that's an important part of that. And for us, I think um, the way that I kind of want to lead a team is that I trust everybody to, to care about their work and to get things done when they have to. And I will ask my team very often like if there's things that they don't have the right information about for me from somebody else on the team to make sure that they always have the knowledge of being able to do what they want to do and what we do right now it's easy again because we're a smaller team if we were like 150 people it would be a different story but um with with around 10 people it's still possible that we just have a single weekly zoom meeting and it's the same time uh every week do it every Thursday. And that is when we all talk and we all start off by, instead of talking about business, we talk about, well, what did we do in, in the last week? What did we do over the weekend? So that way it's not always uh, all, all hectic and, and thinking about work. Um, we get to kind of start out and just talk about ourselves and what we've been up to in our personal lives. Mm -hmm. And um, really the combination of that and then um, communication over Slack um, for shorter things where we need it. And then the the culture of uh, of having the meetups. Um, we do a team retreat every year, and uh, this year we're uh, we're all planning to go to Tokyo. I'm really looking forward to that. And I, I think those things are what I would say is the the most important um, for us and and our kind of fit. Um, really like giving feeling comfortable to give people the autonomy to believe that they're going to be able to work the way you want them to. Wow. All right. So um, without fail, I believe I interviewed, uh, like I interviewed, like I said, a, a ton of people. And I think that some of the most, most of the most successful companies I've interviewed, uh, they all have at least a yearly meetup, like you said. And this is something very interesting because as remote uh, businesses sometimes, you know, people forget that it's actually important to meet people in person. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to work with them side by side all the time. That could be very hard, especially I'm a huge proponent of having remote teams because once you have a remote team, you can tap into, uh, you know, like uh, talent all over the world instead of just within your, you know, 30 mile radius from your office. But again, like the idea of having that team meetup that people are looking forward to, the travel uh, and everything else, um, I think is one of the most uh, important things when it comes to really like build culture. Because even that, you know, like four or five days or a week with your coworkers can make a huge difference in the way that they will work together uh, in the months or even years uh, after they met in person. So do you find that that actually- 100%. Do you find like- yeah data like hard data that like productivity and culture kind of skyrockets or at least increases after those types of meetings um i don't know if i find hard data about it but um 
but it feels very obvious, I guess, um, yeah. to all of us. It's definitely <laughs> it's a, good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very uh very motivating, um, very very fun time to do that, and I think like the way I look at it, like even what whatever level we grow to, I can't see us having an office, um, even for like certain portions of our team or something like that, just because I don't see myself going to that office. And so if I wouldn't be ever going to that office, then like, how, how can I expect the the team to be going to that office? And so, yeah, being able to, to meet up though, is definitely really, it's helpful to, to speed up the, the connection and, and like understanding each other, um, so much more than like what zoom can do. Right. And so an example from like our last meetup is um, two women that work with me. They have roles where they don't really overlap too much, mm-hmm. but um, they stayed in a, an Airbnb together. Um, we were here in here in Austin mm-hmm. and um, it was like they each had their own bedroom and everything, but they uh, like got to know each other so much over like that short period of like a week of being together that even after like the first day, I remember like that they they Ubered over to us and like it suddenly seemed like they'd known each other forever yeah. um, just just from that first day. And so I think that's really powerful in in really bringing your team closer together. And yeah, I would encourage any remote CEO to to have some kind of meetup like this. Absolutely. That is fantastic. Brian, we're approaching the end of the interview, but before we end, I actually wanted to ask you, is there something exciting coming down the pike that you want to share with our audience? Oh, hundred percent. So right now in a Heights platform, my business, as I said, we're online course and community creation software. And this year we've been really excited about everything going on with AI. And so we have AI kind of almost fully integrated through our platform of being able to talk with it, to ask it questions about how to use the software, being able to ask it to help you create courses, um, to help you brainstorm. It'll create the outline for you. It'll create a description. It'll even pick a cover image for you that fits it. And now what we're working on is a autonomous coach for creators. And this is something that I've been so excited about for a while, but I just didn't know how and and when it would be possible. And now it finally is to be able to have this kind of hybrid coaching solution where it's our team plus AI. And we're able to have this AI system that instead of like you talking to it, like chat GPT or something, that it's actually going to communicate with you and ask you questions, assign you tasks, and have all the knowledge and context of what you're building in our platform and in your business. Wow. That is, uh, that's in, when is it coming uh, out? You said. Um, so we have uh, all of our current AI features are uh, under a wait list that are, we're giving existing customers access to it. Um, and by the time this podcast airs, I'm sure that that wait list will be over and that stuff will be generally available. The coaching is in a private beta right now. And uh, you're not able to sign up for it just yet, but again, probably by the time this comes out, if you go to heightsplatform.com, um, we'll likely have a, a beta waitlist for that as well if it's not already released. 
That is fantastic. Brian, again, I am uh, very happy you're able to make it to our podcast. I'm sure my listeners will want to know more about you and your company. So where can people find you online? First, so I'm not super active on social media, but I think uh, the, the place where I am the most active is we have a podcast ourselves. It's called The Creator's Adventure, where I interview other creators from around the world. Um, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and then really uh, check out heightsplatform.com to see our software. Um, if you don't want to or aren't ready to build like a, a course community or coaching program of your own just yet, I'd encourage you to check out uh, creatorclimb.com. That is our own community and courses um, built for creators, and that's completely free to join. That is uh, fantastic. Totally free to join, huh? Awesome. Awesome. Brian, again, thanks so much for being on the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again and I will talk to you again soon.